0: Welcome to Insights with Sites, the Symphony of Scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly Scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca podcast. We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Sites.
1: In our weekly walk through the Gospel of Mark in year B, we are skipping over the Transfiguration. It's always read on the last Sunday before the Lenten season, and the healing of the epileptic to arrive at this second Passion prediction. In all three of these scenes, We have misunderstandings by the disciples in various degrees, from rebuke, as in last Sunday, to arguments concerning rank, each of these followed by Jesus' correction. In this regard, episodes two and three are actually quite similar. What has brought on this concern for rank that they both share? And do the disciples mean right now or at a future time? The third scene is clearer than our present one. There, James and John speak of Jesus in his coming glory and of wanting to sit alongside him. The transfiguration may be partly responsible since Jesus there takes three of them aside and he elevates them above the others. This was the view of the church father Origen in his seeking to understand the Markan portrayal and its chapter by chapter logic. The announcement of Jesus about his pending death may have triggered anxieties about the disciples' role more generally into the future recourse to arguments about rank may have sought to serve to displace their confusion at this juncture in their walk with Jesus, making the disputes, of course, no less misguided and patient of correction by their Lord. Yet one can imagine if he is to die and he is their leader, what next? And who is in charge? Mark tells us that on... This walk now through Galilee, Jesus is not engaging in his customary healing and teaching ministry, but is rather teaching the disciples privately in a focused way, away from any distractions. So we may well wonder how all this was registering with them, the silence of them before Jesus' second announcement in Mark's narrative portrayal is certainly an improvement on Peter's rebuke, but we learned that behind it, they have been arguing amongst themselves all the same. Parking lot talk, as it has been called, after a particularly intense meeting where people do not speak their mind, but exit full of uncertainty and start unloading. Jesus' announcement is couched in the language of Isaiah 53 and Daniel 7 in their Greek dress with his use of betray, paradidoni, Parodidonai, literally to give over or hand over. God's handing over of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 and in Daniel 7, the saints who are handed over. Here we likely find the reason for the Old Testament selection from Jeremiah, which broadens our examples from the Old Testament. It was the Lord who made it known to me and I knew, that is, the evil deeds of those who will, in Jesus' time, him to death into whose hands he is handed over, betrayed. Let us cut him off from the face of the earth so that his name will be no longer remembered. But Jeremiah's name is remembered and his words are recorded, recorded for us to see and recall. And they are there for Jesus, to see in them a prefigurement, including the words, You, O Lord, judge rightly. To you I commit my cause, a cause in his case greater than Isaiah's or Daniel's or Jeremiah's, because gathering them all up into one final march, now to Jerusalem to face the powers of darkness and in so doing, to defeat them. The Psalm associated with our Jeremiah reading, Psalm 54 ends then on notes of victory. The arrogant have risen up against me, the ruthless have sought my life, which in the way of the Psalm becomes then, but you have rescued me from every trouble. The psalmist knows well the way of affliction and death and treason as does Jeremiah and he puts his trust in God alone who brings victory through death, not around it. As a living parable for the twelve this morning, Jesus calls the twelve to him. He places a child in their midst. And then he takes the child up in his arms. The child in their midst, a disturbance and intrusion, a reality check in the world of adult posturing and argument. Like the children who accompany football players onto the field before the match begins, let the child be the model And in welcoming that role and that place, Jesus says, one welcomes me. Death is not to be defeated by top rank, but by lowest rank. And welcoming me is a welcome of my way of strength and assurance, and indeed, a welcoming of God himself, as Jesus says at the end of the lesson. It's striking how well our portion selected from James for the epistle reading tracks alongside the gospel for today. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The wisdom from above, the phrase used previously by James, from the father of lights, this wisdom is first pure, them peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Why are there arguments amongst the twelve on the way? Fear of the road ahead, no map with obvious markings, unsure now of their leader. And so looking instead at their own motley group and trying to find the best, the top, the strong, yet no longer sure what those words mean. James says disputes arise because of deep cravings wanting something we do not have and so striking out. A failing to acknowledge our fear or our need, and so failing to ask, to stop and say to Jesus, help my unbelief, help me understand the way you are going. Keep me from falling silent or changing the subject to matters of rank and envy, which are always quick to fill the void. James' counsel is direct. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. Take the child whose needs are readily known and embrace him and them. And hand these needs over to him who has the strength and authority beyond human ranking. What a strong and helpful reinforcement then James brings today, coming alongside our short gospel lesson, where a lot is left unsaid in the vortex of walking behind the cross of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need a direct command like that from James to cut through our arguments and equivocations. And James and Jesus are there at the ready And finally, our track one reading. Every child, of course, every little child has a mother who is the wife of a husband, the two of them together having created new life. Proverbs, final chapter is devoted to the woman of strength, capable woman. Our text is chosen in the logic of track one, which is to give us something of a survey, piecemeal though it must be, of the Old Testament in its own idiom, three texts from the thirty-one chapter book of Proverbs, then opening and closing chapters one and thirty-one, and one from chapter twenty-two in the middle. The woman of valor, an eshet ha'il in Hebrew. Looking ahead, we'll be joined in our readings by Esther and Ruth, and Hannah alongside a selection from the book of Job. These books, Esther, Ruth, and Job, which belong to the miscellany collection of the writings in the Hebrew Bible, and these will be our track one readings for Sundays to come. The 22 verses of chapter 31 chosen for today represent what is called an acrostic, a skillful composition, a maschil that is where each verse begins with the corresponding letter of the 22 letter Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Beit, Gimel all the way to the end. The orderly composition, which imitates the orderly skill of an eshet Heil, a woman of worth, of valor, a valiant woman, a capable woman, a woman of strength. The same term, eshet Chayil, is unsurprisingly, I think, used by Boaz of Ruth, the very center point of that book in chapter three, verse 11. The woman of valor, where can one find her, Proverbs asks. In the book that follows Proverbs, in Hebrew listings, Ruth, courageous, faithful, a good example of the eshet chayil, prepared to take risks, strong, and upon succeeding, taking up as this valiant woman described in the 31st chapter of Ruth. of of the book of Proverbs. Ruth, who left her own country and God's, and came under, out of strength of conviction, the shelter of Israel's Lord. And in that place, gave birth to the grandfather of King David himself. Our text reads at the end, give her a share in the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the city gates." And so it is in the final chapter of Ruth, the women of the neighborhood gave the young boy a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Ovid, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David, for in God's faithfulness To the woman of valor, the healing spills out to include Naomi herself. And the child born to her is her faithful blessing as well as Ruth's. From Proverbs 31, her husband too praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you have surpassed them all.
0: We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sites, the symphony of scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.